Welcome to the Thundercast. I am your host, Connor Sanders, here with SU Defensive Coordinator Brandon Fisher. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, especially with such a big matchup ahead on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, how are you feeling just in the early going of this season and with 2019 ahead of you? It's been fun. It's a fun group, fun group to coach, and we're just kind of trying to stack things week in, week out, and get better. Um, I say the results through three games aren't haven't been ideal, haven't been what we planned for exactly, but seeing the progression and the guys get better. And you know, one thing I'll say about them is they're relentless. They play hard. They're physical. They fly around. So we got a lot of work as a coaching staff just in terms of cleaning things up and some of the discipline things that we saw last week come out and you know get that stuff under wraps. And I think we got makings of being a pretty good defense. Yeah, absolutely. Best to get those out before conference play. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, though any game, the way we played and some of the uh, the pre and post snap undisciplined penalties aren't acceptable, and so I I'd, I'd expect this is the last we see of those. Yeah, absolutely, I sure hope so. Um, so tell me just a little bit about coming to Cedar City to take over the defensive coordinator role. How did you find out about the job, and how <sighs> eager were you to take it? You know, it's kind of a long story. Just go back to my history. Two years ago, I was the youngest DB coach in the National Football League, yep. and you know, we ended up getting fired out there in L.A. and actually found out, a lot of people don't know my history, but found out the Friday for the last game of the season, my wife was pregnant with our first. And wow. So I was under contract and chose to not work and, you know, get paid and be a dad, which is one of the best decisions I've ever made, but made it a little challenging getting back in. And, yeah. you know, it's humbling. You realize how quickly you're forgotten in this profession and, you know, trying to get back in and make calls and, you know, struggling to get an interview and, I go back with uh, Justin Walterscheid, the offensive coordinator. His old man and my old man actually played together back in Chicago. Yeah. So Justin's had a chance, sat in some of my meetings back in L.A. and St. Louis, and this thing opened up and called me about it and said, absolutely, like a chance at my age to run my own defense and be a coordinator. And so Demo gave me a chance to interview here, and interview went well, and here we are. It's been a blast. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll talk about your, uh, your football family more oh, yeah. as we go on, but I'm more just just seeing you on the sideline. You can tell you're very energetic, very passionate yeah. individual. Um, how do your players respond to that and draw from you? You got to be energetic. I mean, I you know we ask a lot of our players, and if I don't hold up my end of it, I mean, I know they feed off me. So you know, I try and bring energy every day, especially on game days. I mean, it's game days are fun. Game days are hard. Game days are fun. So I try and bring energy. I try and bring positive energy. Yeah. And it's one of my big sayings is that we. You know, game days are stressful, and we as coaches tend to add stress and add chaos. So I don't, I don't believe in yelling at players, cussing at players, and adding stress. You know, I want them to, I want that sideline to be a safe environment on Saturdays. We add as much stress and chaos as possible during the week, but when we get to Saturday, I want it to be calm, collected, and kind of a professional workmanlike environment. Now there are. There are times where guys need to be kind of snapped back into it, and we had a couple of those last weekend. But for the most part, just try and bring positive energy, be supportive. You know, and our job at the end of the day is to coach. And you know, first and foremost, that's what we need to do on Saturdays is coach and teach and help our guys. Yeah. Um, how different is it than coaching in the NFL where, you know, not as much off-the-field concerns that you have to take care of and things like that? It's really it, uh, I've kind of been surprised it's coaching's coaching and there's yeah. only so many things you can deal with do with 11 guys and you know the guys at NFL level yeah they got a little more money in their pocket and different kind of distractions you know 
that come with life and you know stuff that happens once you get to the league. You know these guys are dealing at the college level just as many distractions, maybe even more from time constraints with mm-hmm. class and you know whatnot and the twenty-hour week. But I mean, at the end of the day, when you get on the practice field and you get in the meeting rooms, get on the game field, it's it's really no different in my mind. And I don't coach them any differently anyway. I expect the same out of our guys that we did when you know, I was coaching. Janoris Jenkins and Tremaine Johnson and Rodney McLeod. I don't talk to him any differently. So, yeah, I'm sure that that level of respect makes them want to trust in you even more, right? I, you know, it maybe brings a little bit of credibility um, from their standpoint, but I think it, at the end of the day, good players make good coaches. So I was lucky at the NFL level to have some pretty talented guys in my room, and I guys that went on to have success. I don't. I think that was directly related to me, but you know, so hopefully a little there, you know, those players' experiences wore off on me, and I've learned, you know, from those guys that I had a chance to coach and pass on some of that knowledge to the guys here. And these, these guys have been, I mean, they want to learn, you know, how this guy do it. What'd you teach him? What they they really want to learn how guys did it. So, but yeah, it's obviously interesting to have kind of an inside perspective of that because I'm sure you've even dating back to your days in Montana, oh, you've yeah. been around a lot yeah. of these big sky schools and so you have a lot of perspective to add yeah we were lucky i mean i was lucky back at montana because the guys i played with I and mean, i go through the list from lex hilliard to running back to dan carpenter our kicker shan schillinger mark mariani i mean there was a long croy bierman long list of guys that had successful careers in the nfl and you know we won a lot of games back then had a lot of success and a lot of my foundation my coaching principles kind of comes from those four or five years so know had some success in this conference and know what it takes to win in this conference and hopefully we can kind of get that instilled here so and this this place hasn't had a winning issue you know yeah winning three of the last five champion big sky championships as competitive as the conference has been says a lot i've kind of taken the stance that last year was just a couple bad breaks and it snowballed and kind of got out of control but coach warren's done an incredible job with this program and what he's done in the last few years and so we're just trying to get back to where they were two years ago is really the deal. Yeah, absolutely. It's been an up-and-down mm-hmm. experience since uh, last season, but the team's looking good and looking confident. Um, tell me just a little bit about being around your old stomping grounds. I mean, you haven't been back to Missoula yet, but mm-hmm. you see the schedule. You see a lot of those teams you played against. How does it feel to oh, be yeah, back in the big sky? There's a lot of coaches you know, on different teams that are guys that I played with or played against. So, yeah, you've got a couple of things circled here and there, and – you know, there's there's always a little soft spot for Bozeman. I'll look forward to going up there. <laughs> so those those will be fun ones, and it really it just it brings back a lot of good memories of places that I played. I mean, some everybody, you know, they're some of your best years in life or having the opportunity to play college football and some of the stuff I experienced with my teammates. And so yeah, you go into these stadiums, man, like some of the old memories and the things we got to experience is pretty cool. Living back, living it up, and you know, telling the, telling these guys the stories that you know. It's, not that far removed from it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As much as they, they think, you know, it wasn't 10 years ago that I had a chance to play in this conference. And, yeah, it's kind of cool to relive it. Yeah. So you talked about stepping away from football to, to take care of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that, how being a father is different than all the it's, life you lived previously. I mean, because I, I've grown up in the game. I know the time constraints and, you know, how hard it is, how much time you do spend in the building. And I know that's time you don't get back. And uh, financially, it may cost me some money, but 
you know, the chance to wake your kid up every morning and put him down to bed every night in the first year or two of his life is pretty special. And so I wouldn't trade it for the world. No, I don't don't know. I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now had I not. I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. Yeah, well, I could be sitting right here. But, you know, it just you can't get that time back. So I, being a dad is it's the coolest thing in the world. And, you know, people people don't necessarily know why. I mean, I think they look at it and, oh, he doesn't need coaching or didn't want coaching or chose to not coach. But. They didn't know the reason why, and yeah. you know, I, you can't get that time back with your little ones. So it's yeah, it's that's special, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, another big part of being part of a football family is mm-hmm. traveling, right? Moving around. Oh yeah. Um, when you had to relocate here to Cedar City, did you have any concerns, and how's that gone? No, cause my wife and I we spent our time up in Big Sky, Montana, and her family's got a place down in Vegas. So we've been back and forth up and down this corridor a hundred times, and <laughs> been in a small town in the mountains. Like you know, it's not as I think for a lot of people, it's a culture shock coming down here, especially some of the recruits that come from L.A. Yeah. and some of the different places. But for us, we're kind of we're small town people. Like we hasn't been, you know, we've loved it. People here are fantastic, nice. Found a couple of good little pizza spots, and <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, I want to talk not only about your family, but I'm sure you're tired of being introduced as ah, uh, this is Brandon oh, Fisher, no. the son of legendary coach Jeff mm-hmm. Fisher. But tell me about growing up in, in your family and just kind of the role that football played in your life. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know anything else growing up. Like, And I was incredibly blessed. I mean, the stuff I got to experience from just growing up in a locker room and throwing tape balls at you know players that you didn't know. These are, I mean, MVP, Super Bowl, you know, Hall of Fame-type players that you're sitting there having tape wars with. <laughs> and, you know, just being on the practice field and getting to travel and go to games, go to Super Bowls and Pro Bowls. And, like, it, it's a pretty incredibly, like, blessed childhood just to be around this game and the stuff I got to experience. And it, there are challenges that come with it. And like I said yeah. some of the time constraints and during the season, you never get to see your old man much. You know, mm-hmm. 6 a.m. till 11 p.m. is kind of standard in the NFL for a 20-plus week season. So... You know, but I, you know, I love the game. You know, I had a chance to learn from somebody that had a lot of success in this game, and yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I'd say from his perspective, he's always been dad first and foremost. Yeah. And you know, when he comes to our practices, comes to our games, and you know, give him, our, hey, you want you want to come talk to the guys? You want to sit in meetings? You want to be on the sidelines? I just I'd rather be up there and be a dad. You know, yeah. I'd rather watch it through those lenses as a dad. And now me having a you know two year old myself, it's kind of. You can see that side of it, you know, where it comes from. That it's kind of cool for him to take a step back and just watch me do what I do as a father first and foremost, and not necessarily as a coach that's looking over your shoulder. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you remember any specific athletes you connected with at a young age? That man. I mean, the guys that stand out. Um, just growing up, you know, the those. Tennessee Titan, those early years there, um, you had the Eddie Georges and then Steve McNair. I know their numbers were just retired. I mean, those were two, yeah. like, just special, special people, just in terms on the field, off the field, what they did in community, and just relentless football players. But that whole crew back then, I mean, there were – that thing was rolling. They had, they had some players. But, yeah, Steve McNair and Eddie George were two of the most impressive I've been around. Um Modern day, since I've had a chance to coach, Aaron Donald. Yeah. And as impressive as he is on the field, he's ten times that guy off the field. I mean, he is the hardest worker, most professional. And I, we get done with meetings at 10, 30, 11 at night, and you go in to grab a snack out of the training room, and you see a light on in the back corner, and it's Aaron in the cold tub. 
or it's Aaron in the meeting room by himself watching tape, like doing the extra. They don't, they don't make many people like him. He's special. And we all know the on the field talent, but the off the field guy is like, I'm telling you, he's he's more than what you see on the field. As yeah. disruptive as he is. Well, you can never have that success on the field without putting in the work off the field. Yeah, right? uh, to a degree. I mean, there's there's some guys that I've been around that are just physically gifted. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to name names, and but they're guys that you know that you see that you know they don't always. It's it's kind of it's amazing. It's mind blowing that don't necessarily take the best care of their bodies. Aren't the most you know don't meet like they should. <laughs> I mean, they're guys that eat McDonald's twice a day and that go out there and just perform flawlessly on an everyday base and go to Pro Bowls, end up in Super Bowls, will end up in the Hall of Fame. So it, it's kind of unique, just the different blend of individuals. Now you think you take a guy like that and he has Aaron Donald's work ethic, how yeah. special they could be. But yeah, I've got to, there's some guys I've been around, just like, wow. <laughs> the guy can come in and pick up a broomstick for like a week and be in the best shape of anybody in the building and just go play 16 games at a high level. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely incredible. Were you that kind of player at Montana, or did you? Uh... I had to grind for everything I got. Yeah. I was, yeah, I always make fun of myself. I was five ten, white and slow, and like it, <laughs> it was a struggle. Just I got recruited there as a long snapper. That wow. was the only reason I got a scholarship there, and ended up snapping for a couple years, and then just kind of wiggled my way onto the depth chart, and ended up getting a start at linebacker for two seasons. But yeah, uh, yeah, genetics I was lacking quite a bit of it. <laughs> it was kind of hard work and trying to know the game and just do things right, and but. Getting a chance to start two years and play in two national championships, back-to-back championships, a pretty cool experience. I still got a little bit of unfinished business. The fact that we lost two yeah. in a row, I'd, I mean, that's kind of winning a championship at this level is kind of something that I'd really like to do in life. So you know, that's de- <laughs> definitely on the list of things to do. Yeah, how, how often do you think about those championship games? You guys are so close but couldn't quite get over the hump. More than you'd think. Like, yeah, yeah they just it comes back. You know, just at random times, you know, especially especially when you're watching, you know, any of the sports. You know, you're watching the Stanley Cup or what, what a World Series, whatever it is, and you watch people celebrate at the end of those, that Game 7 that they won, and haven't been on the other side of it, yeah. even, at, even though it's a smaller scale, haven't been on the other side of it and watched somebody celebrate championships. Like, it, those feelings come back, and it stings you a little bit. Yeah, I can, uh, I can only imagine – Especially because all the work you put in. Oh, yeah. And it's, all the off-season workouts, all that stuff mm-hmm. leads up to that moment. To fall short, it must be yeah, so It's hard. I, I mean, I think one of the hardest championships to win is an FCS national championship. Yeah. And, you know, just to sustain and go through a season and then go through a playoff system. Now, you look at what NDSU and those teams have done doing it year in, year out. It makes it even more impressive. But it's challenging to go through a playoff system and, and win one. So Yeah, absolutely. And SU has had some unfortunate results in that not yeah. able to move deep into the tournament but something yeah. that i'm sure the program wants to yeah. work toward i told our i told our players a story so my senior year we're at montana it's 48 to 21 with five minutes left in the third quarter against south dakota state wow and we were i mean we're sitting on the sidelines packing our bags talk hey it's a great career and all of a sudden we return a kick and we block a kick and this and that and we ended up beating them like 63 to 48 or something like that and then ended up winning three more playoff games and going to the national championship which is kind of why you just never know once you get in you never know what's going to happen yeah so i think that's why everybody's calling for the fbs to yeah embrace a playoff style yeah yeah there's no question <laughs> so um i know you've only had one home game here mm-hmm. but 
just watching you on the sideline, I believe I've seen you have like a Sean McVay-esque get back coach. Kinda not not by design. I think he found me that, that there was a need for that. So, <laughs> and part of it is just I'm doing the signaling. So I'm kind of end up out there on the white, being animated, getting the signals called, and it you need somebody to just remind you and grab you back. But I felt that this week that there was somebody <laughs> tugging on my jersey most of the game or my shirt most of the game. So is it the strength and conditioning? It's coach? our strength. And, yeah. He's fa- he's fantastic. He's one of the best people in this building, and he's and I, I didn't have to say anything. He just knows, like he's got a good sense for the surroundings and what's going on and what the officials are looking at. And <laughs> when I got close to the white, he just grabbed me and pulled me back. And so yeah, I'm, we haven't spoken a word of it. I just kind of trust that he's going to be there for me the rest of the way through it. So Would, I mean, imagine the first time it happened to you, you must have been pretty confused. No, I mean, it, I know why he's doing it, that I'm okay. in the way. And, yeah, I can't bump an official and get a penalty. So we've, we've already had one penalty on a, on a coach on the sideline, so <laughs> I won't disclose his name. But so, we've, yeah, we've got to be just – got to be aware of the white and stay back. So yeah, and that's part of his responsibility just to keep the white clean, keep everybody out of the official's way. And, yeah, he did a good job policing me. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that Coach Warren always preaches is establishing a culture of mm-hmm. discipline, football. Um, what are the kind of attributes you're hoping SU football can implement and kind of take SU to the next level? You know, one of the things I've preached to the defense since the day I got here, um, and I, I got it from Greg Williams, is play on the edge, never hurt this football team. And I think that's the fine line that we crossed last week, and it's my job to pull them back. But it's it's a lot harder to push those guys to the edge and get them to look out over the edge and you know play with fire, play with intensity, play for 60 minutes. But we got a group that played beyond the whistle and was maybe a little too excited about getting off on the ball and some of the pressures and the blitzes we called and – you know, it, it came, it was, it was undisciplined. And so it's, it's on us to pull them back now. And, you know, a lot the guys responded well. I mean, I had texts after the game, sorry, you've been, you've been preaching this and we crossed the line. Yeah. We hurt the football team tonight. So I'm, I'm banking on it being a teachable moment and something that we can learn from and reel them back in. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's on me. I take those disciplined things on me. I don't want them to get to Demo's chair because I know he feels the same way, that at the end of the day, it's a reflection of him. Well, I want the buck to stop with me when it comes to discipline, so I'm, it's on me to get it cleaned up. But that's kind of where I think a lot of it stemmed from is just the energy and the excitement and the passion about being at home and playing at home and feeling some success for the first time in a while, and the guys cross the line. So it's, it's on me to reel them back in. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what terms, in terms of strategy, are the kind of things that you're feeling the SU is really good at excelling in? Maybe some things that might need some work. Um, you know, we're right now we're still kind of feeling our way through our personnel, and you know, some of the injuries that have just come yeah. up in the first couple games. Um, we had a big emphasis on just getting the run stuff stopped. I was a little surprised UNLV that you know the run stuff got away from us at, the way it did. Now that was a talented group yeah. a talented quarterback and a yeah, running Rogers. back that had some home run potential but yeah. uh so we've made a big emphasis on that just in everything we do just limiting the run game managing the run game and i think we've been like 2.8 and 2.5 per carry the last couple weeks so i think that's coming um and then just continue we always talk about earning the right to rush the passer and i i really believe if we can get teams to third down there's a lot of creativity as a coaching staff to where we can kind of get after the quarterback and that's just 
football in general. You know, just stop the run, get them to third down, earn the right to rush the passer, and see if we can go put them on the ground. So that's kind of where we've been spending a lot of time, and we've got we've got our work cut out for us this week with a team that I think had 370 yards rushing and top five in the country and just about everything they do. But yeah, one of, I mean running the football. So you know, we're gonna that's gonna get put to test this week. Yeah, they have two very talented running backs. Yeah. Very powerful offensive yeah. line. So big up front and yeah, and they, they just they have a culture of they run the ball and they you know, they just wear on you. Yeah. That's kinda how they that's been their that kind of that system runs itself, that program runs itself. The kind of guys they recruit, the back they just they do it year in, year out. So we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um so Coach Fisher, a defensive coordinator of Southern Utah University, in case you're just joining us. Um, tell me about growing up in Tennessee as a not a member of the Titans organization, right? But around the team and that whole situation for you. Yeah, it's it's kind of. I go back even before that. You know, I was in Houston, and then we moved to Tennessee. Yeah, and you know, and ended up playing in the Astrodome, and then Memphis, and then Vanderbilt for a year, yeah. and then getting the Coliseum, and just that whole transition. I, mean, I remember. These are home games for my family and getting in a minivan and driving three hours down to Memphis and playing in the Liberty Bowl yeah. and coming back. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a blur. I mean, I was 10, 11, 12, I guess, at the time. But just to watch all the work and, you know, the, you know, the challenges that the move and everything presented itself, and then all of a sudden you got a stadium in Nashville, new logo, new team, players, and it all came together. And there was a five-year run there where they won – more games than anybody in the NFL, and, yeah. and everybody's aware of the one yard short. But you know, there's a lot of championship loss, and a, I mean, there was some good football being played back then. So it was really cool to be a part of. And you know, I think some of the old matchups, you know, the old Jacksonville games, that division in general, just for sports fans yeah. out there. I mean, you go back to that time, and you look at the running backs, and you know, you got Pittsburgh and Jerome Bettis, you got Jamal Lewis in Baltimore, yeah. you got Corey Dillon. You got Fred Taylor in Jacksonville. Like, that was a rough and tumble time in the NFL. Just the big, I mean, Eddie George there. I mean, every week, the guys that were coming out of those games were wounded. And, like, you look at all the, the records. Whenever Pittsburgh and the Titans played each other, or Titans and Jacksonville, who, whoever they played, they lost the next week. Like, yeah. you always lost the next week because teams <laughs> just came out of those games so beat up and so wounded. So, kind of cool. That, you know, a lot, and a lot of my. Football, my foundation, my coaching philosophy stems from some of that stuff I saw growing up. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, what kind of philosophy do you have? Where where does our SU defense start? What's kind of the overarching ideal of the of the program? You know, I try. We're you start with stopping the run. Yeah. Um, you start with stopping the run and focusing on how you play. You know, I think the culture stuff at the end of the day is more important than the X's and O's. Um, you know, getting guys to play hard, play fast, play violent, play together. So I spent a lot of time preaching those things. Um, in terms of scheme, we, we're pretty multiple. Uh, we yeah. do a lot of things. Um, a lot of it's by design. We try and appear, try and appear really complex when at the end of the day we're pretty simple. Um, yeah. But just the nature of how things are designed. I know we're going to be a challenging team to prepare for week in and week out in terms of what we do, but it's also you 
kind of become that jack of all trades, master of none, all yeah. of a sudden, you know, what are we really good at at the end of the day? So that's kind of where we're sorting our way through right now, focusing on, you know, what do we hang our hat on? You know, it's a new staff, first time we've worked together, first time these players have been together. So kind of just putting the screws to it and figure out what we do well. I like the way we're playing, minus some of the discipline stuff that we got to get cleaned up. But, you know, this group hasn't had a chance to play together. You know, go back to a lot of our leaders on defense and guys I would say we're counting on to be our best players. We got Nella, middle linebacker, that didn't play football last year. Yeah, Bishop, who's out a whole season. Alex Sims, who played one or two games. Yeah. Hanneman, who played one or two games. You know, you can go across the list with G Mac and you know guys that we're sitting here saying these are our these are the foundation these are the founding like the foundation of our defense and guys haven't played a lot of football together and then you got a staff that hasn't played a lot of football coached a lot of football together so but nobody else is going to cut you any slack for yeah. that we don't get to use that as an excuse so <laughs> you know it's our job to pull this thing together as fast as we can and get that i think it really do think it is a talented group a group that can be really really good on defense but you know we got to get it pulled together as fast as we can and that window closes quick i mean it's there's 12 games and every single one of them especially once you hit the conference you can't afford to slip yeah. up and not play well so that's kind of the i know we kind of went on a tangent there but that's kind of where we're spending a lot of our time right now yeah it's interesting when you name a lot of the players the key players on the defense mm-hmm. there's a lot of transition yeah well you look at the corner position at carlton i mean losing jalen was devastating because i mean yeah. he's just i mean what he meant as a player and just in terms of the person off the field and the leader i mean he's that He's that dude, and it, yeah. it was hard. It was really hard. But you know, now you got guys at the corner position, and Carlton, and Khalid, and Rainey, guys that didn't play a lot of snaps. So this is—it's a young defense, and it's an inexperienced defense. So we got to—we've got our work cut out for it in terms of making this group one and watching them play as a unit. But I think it, it's coming. I believe it's coming. I know it's coming, and I've kind of told these guys, hey trust me trust these coaches trust coach warren and we're gonna have this thing rolling yeah by conference when we when we need it to be rolling and I th- you've seen it people have seen it in spurts these first few weeks and hopefully we'll continue to take the next step and i really believe this is it's going to be a challenging defense to play against down the stretch yeah absolutely and even with along the defensive line you know oh, yeah. schuster's new Bishop Jones, like you mentioned, and that's something that you struggled a lot with last mm-hmm. season was getting pressure on the quarterback. And I think, I mean, that's that's one of the strengths of our team right now is our depth on our D line, and we're we're rolling a lot of guys through. And you know, we've even week one, we didn't like the results. The quarterback was on the ground quite a bit. Yeah. You and I, the quarterback was on the ground, and then last week, I mean, right off the gate, quarterbacks down, the ball's out. So we've we've done a decent job getting home and hitting the quarterback the right way, not having you know we haven't had any rough in the pass or yeah. penalties. We've you know we're we're progressing we're getting there yeah absolutely you can see even in the yards per game yeah yeah slowly yeah. improving and working on playing really competitive competition like you will be well, this week. you know every defense you know after the game you look back and say well if this hadn't happened if this hadn't happened you know the biggest thing from last game was we have three penalties where we're off the field on third down and we the offense is the the ball is back in our offense's hands and we do unacceptable unacceptable penalties after the play, which yeah. in turn cost. It led to 120 yards more of total offense, three touchdowns. You know, those are plays we should have never played, and our players, they saw that that they you know that external stress, that added stress, was caused by 
bad decisions, bad mistakes. Yeah. And so I think they've got a good grasp of it and we're just gonna keep emphasizing it. I think also last season going so long without getting the first win, mm-hmm. there's a lot of energy to try and start out the season oh, well. Absolutely. And then first game in front of the home crowd. So yeah. hopefully they were able to get all the... Yeah, we, I hope we got some of it out of our system because they, chall- they made it a little more challenging on me than, than it needed to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So as a former secondary coach, it's an, uh, an opportunity to improve mm-hmm. for SU considering last season one of the, um, the nice way to say it, the, one of the easiest teams to pass against mm-hmm. in, in uh, FCS. But what kind of uh, staples are you trying to introduce to your especially the secondary because there's lots of talented safeties. I mean, yeah. Daniel Vaughn playing a lot, Hanneman. We, we have a really, I think we have a really talented group um, back there and we have two really good coaches coaching those guys back there, which has kind of allowed me, I mean, that's that's where I've coached, but it's allowed me to spend the time on the stuff I haven't coached so on the front and the linebackers. And you know, at the end of the day, best way to help the secondary is hit the quarterback yeah. and get the ball out of his hands in a hurry and not give him time and I think that partly some of those numbers last year came from that they didn't have you know a lot of good rushes a lot of wins up front and weren't getting the quarterback on the ground so from what I've been told so we've put a lot of emphasis there and yeah. you know trying to do some different things and give the quarterback some different pictures to look at and you know we you know, got our hands on a ball last week we've yeah. you know, left a couple out there on the field that we shouldn't you know we shouldn't have so it's a talent. I think it's a pretty talented group. Um, having Hanneman changes things yeah, greatly. Um, he's a he's a really special player. But yeah, there's a lot of guys that have you know played football back there, and you know they're coming. And yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is obviously this is an audio medium, so we can't see. But you have an incredible beard. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been growing out your your lumberjack beard? Oh man, this I would. I'm probably a year and a half on this one. Um, <laughs> I've had one before that was longer than this, um, but it's getting there. Um, What's the longest it's been? I guess a couple more inches than I've had on this one. I mean, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I couldn't quite braid it. The last one you could kind of braid, so <laughs> this one's it's getting there. I've, I've maintained this one a little bit more. So when I was spending some time in the mountains, the year I wasn't coaching, it got out of control. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I shave an inch or cut an inch or two off every couple months and try and keep it somewhat in check. But beards are a lot of maintenance. Like Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot of maintenance. Is it a team effort with the wife? Is she on board with the beard? Does she prefer no beard? Surprisingly, she is. Um, yeah, she. I don't think she's a huge fan of my fat baby face that's under <laughs> it. So she. I don't know if she'd prefer that it's this long, but she likes it. Yeah, there's a little substance there. So. <laughs> And too, it comes with credibility with the players. I if they ever see me up there without a beard, they won't listen to anything I say. Like <laughs> I guarantee it, they'll laugh and joke. And so I don't have a choice now. I can never walk in that room without it. You should make some kind of bet where they get a certain amount of turnovers or something. You'll shave. I've it. thought about it. I've <laughs> I, I'd probably let them dye it before I let them shave it, though. <laughs> yeah, we, I'm sure that they would also be oh, happy yeah. to see that. Absolutely. Well, a huge thanks to you, Coach, for joining me here. Yeah, it was a very good conversation about the team and. Yeah, I mean, I love SU football. It's definitely the my favorite sport on campus. So I'm glad I was able to to talk some things through with you. Thank you to the listeners as well for joining us this week on the Thundercast, and we will see you next week. Appreciate Thanks again it, to Coach. Yeah, appreciate you guys.